Hello, church! Pastor Brett here, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Centerbrook, Connecticut, and welcome to Sunday Sermons. Today's message comes from the Gospel of Luke, the sixth chapter, verses 20 through 31. And in it we are blessed to hear Jesus preach the Sermon on the Plain, in which Jesus proclaims blessings. Blessed are you, he says, who are poor. Blessed are you who are sad, who are hungry. What a crude thing to say. Why would he do that? Why would he say that? It certainly doesn't sound like blessed. Well, we're going to explore this and more things in today's sermon, and so I invite you to grab your Bible and to open it up and to actually read the passages today, because remember, it's God's Word, and it's good practice. And remember, God is anxiously waiting to speak to you through it. So grab a Bible, read it, and then skip ahead to around the 2 minute 20 mark. Otherwise, here it is, the Gospel of Luke, the 6th chapter, verses 20 through 31. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich! For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, church. You may have had this experience. Um, at a time in your life when you've experienced grief. Well-meaning people in your life, your friends or your family, people who don't like to see you grieving, um, have said things to you trying to make you feel better, um, but have said just the worst things possible um, to help you in your grief. You're going through a breakup with someone. uh, You're going through a bad ending of a relationship and you genuinely love this person that you're breaking your relationship with and someone comes to you and says well you'll find someone better one day don't worry and that might be true but you they don't understand that you still love this person and you care about this person and and that's just not helpful in this moment right you're grieving this loss or you you're ending a job you've been let go or the company ended or something like that and and somebody, some well-meaning person who, who just really wants to see you back on your feet is trying to give you all this advice on how to find new work. And, and it, it's more exhausting than anything else for you because they don't understand how complicated your job was and the nature of your work. And, 
and they have no idea what they're talking about, how, and how difficult it's going to be for you to find work again in your field. And, and, and it's just exhausting to have to sit through and listen to all this job advice. And the many, many, many tropes uh, that people offer when you've lost someone that you love. And for some people, they're comforting, but for many, they're just not. Well, you know, there's an angel in heaven now, and, you know, this is part of God's plan, and we don't know God's plan, and well-meaning people, but sometimes you just don't need to hear it. And I, I can't help but think about these these things, because when you read this sermon today from Jesus, this sermon on the plane, one of the most well-known of Jesus' teachings, you can't help but think and wonder, what in the world is Jesus talking about? And you can't help but wonder if, if this is sort of Jesus teaching along those lines of these well-meaning tropes, but what in the world is he talking about? Blessed are you who are poor. Oh, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> thanks, guy. Appreciate it. Blessed are you who are weeping. Oh, okay, pal. You know, what is he thinking? I mean, here's the thing, too. Who is this guy at this point in the story to even tell people what they should be feeling in those times? It's chapter 6 in the Gospel. There's 24 chapters in the Gospel of Luke. We're at chapter 6, and he's maybe 30 years old. It's not like he's an elder in his community. He's 30 years old. It's chapter 6. We're still at the very beginning part of Jesus' ministry, and here he is. Blessed are you. Okay. Except that a whole lot happens in six chapters. I mean, right from the beginning of his birth, even, Jesus has this way of relating to people in these life situations. At our children's service, the first service today, I asked the question to the kids. I said, where was Jesus born? What was he born in? What was it? In a manger. He was born in December. Okay, thanks. He was born in... Thomas skipped Sunday school, went right into organ playing. Uh, in a manger, right? There was no room in the inn. He went, he, right? But you can't help but wonder if Mary and Joseph had, had were, was received that pot of gold from the Magi before they went to Bethlehem, might someone have made room for them, right? It's amazing what doors open up when you have money. So it seems to us that they, they didn't. Jesus understood poverty. And, and then there's this story that happens still in Luke 2. Right after Jesus' birth, there's this story. We don't hear about it a lot in our, in our lectionary, but there's this story about the dedication in the temple. Jesus' parents bring Jesus to be dedicated at the temple. And, and there's this story about when they come into the temple, there's this prophet. Her name is Anna. And it says that she, she runs up to Jesus, his family, and just praise them for bringing this child. She just shows there's just so much joy in this moment, the minute she sees them bringing this child to be dedicated. And it's just this beautiful image of joy, except that there's this one line in the scripture right before that that says this prophet Anna, who was married for seven years before she was widowed, and now she's 84, and she never left the temple. 
Then it goes on to talk about her praising the family and all this joy. But to get to the praising, you have to skip over this woman's story. I mean, can you imagine? You're married, you're young, you're married for seven years and your love dies and you're widowed and now you're 84 and you've never been able to leave the temple. I mean, what heartbreak. And, and then we get into Luke 3 and, and, and there's the story of John the Baptist. Jesus goes to be baptized by John the Baptist, who's a, who's a family member of Jesus's. And not only that, he's monumentally important to Jesus in his ministry. But before, in Luke, before he can get to John to be baptized, John is arrested. And he's taken to prison by the emperor, who is renowned for being brutally violent. And everybody knows what the fate of John the Baptist is going to be. This person who was in the story supposed to baptize Jesus, and Luke anyways, he doesn't get a chance to do it because he's arrested. And everyone knows what's going to happen to him. This person who is so important to Jesus, so important to the ministry, the foretelling of Jesus is coming, the person is supposed to baptize Jesus and doesn't get to do it because he's arrested by this brutally violent emperor. And later on, we'll know, of course, what they all think is probably going to happen does. He's beheaded, Jesus' family member. I mean, he knows pain. He knows weeping. And then we get to chapter 4, and and Jesus is led into the desert after his baptism, and and he's fasting for 40 days, but he encounters the devil, and the devil tempts him with with food and power and, and safety and all these things. And so Jesus is tempted, but he rejects it in the name of God. He rejects all those things because that's not his path. But it could be. But he says no. And then in 4 still, he, he leaves that space and he travels along Galilee and it says that he's teaching in the power of the Spirit, it says, and it quotes Isaiah, it says that Jesus teaches with the good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, and he sets the oppressed free. And it says all the people begin to follow him. He is, at this point in the story, already at chapter 4, surrounded by people he will later on call blessed. And he goes to Capernaum in the same chapter and he finds a man that's possessed by an unclean spirit and he casts the spirit out. And it says that in this chapter, it says that now um, uh, news about him has spread throughout the countryside and all the surrounding area and they all come to follow him. And in chapter 4, verse 40, he goes from there, he goes to the house of Simon Peter. And you know the story, he encounters his mother who's got a high fever. There's no Tylenol there, right? She's on, her, she's on a deathbed, right? And, and Jesus heals her. And, but that's not enough because everyone hears about this healing. So they come crashing, knocking at the door, screaming to get in. And Jesus does healing all day, all night, heals them. And at verse 40, it says that all, all those people had various kinds of sickness. He goes, they go to the house and he lays hands on all of them and he heals them. Then we get to chapter 5, and he's on his way to Judea. And he comes across a man with leprosy. And the man literally falls to his feet and puts his face literally in the dirt and begs Jesus for healing. And of course, Jesus heals him. And at verse 15, it says, news about this man continues to spread and people continue to hear about him and come to be healed. And then at verse 17, right after that, is the story of the paralyzed man that's lowered from the ceiling. You remember that story? You remember that? 
story, there's Jesus is in a house teaching, um, and there's no room. So the friends of this paralyzed man lower him in from the roof so that he'll have a chance to hear the teaching of Jesus and be healed. And Jesus goes up to the paralyzed man and doesn't heal him. Well, that's odd, but what does he do? He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because he knows that for this man, there's something going on, there's something eating at him inside that needs to be healed first. That our bodies and our health are not just our physical bodies, but we're spiritual beings. That we have things that need to be healed that are not just physical. So Jesus heals his heart, heals his spirit, and then heals his paralysis. See that? Then we get to chapter 6, and Jesus comes across a man who's got a crippled hand, but it's the Sabbath, and the re- religious leaders say, you can't heal on the Sabbath, and, but Jesus says, oh no, I'm going to heal this man, and Jesus heals him on the Sabbath. So this is six chapters now, and, then, and, and this, when we read this section of the gospel, it says Jesus is talking to the disciples, but if you read just before, it would say that the whole crowd of people who've been with Jesus are all together. In the plain, can't be in a house, can't even be on a mountainside. They're on the plain. There's so many people. And he starts to preach his sermon. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who are weeping, for you will laugh. Not only is Jesus preaching to the disciples and telling them what their mission is, he's doing that. Your mission is to the people who are weeping and and grieving and, and hungry and all that stuff. He's telling them that. But Jesus is preaching to people who are with him right now, experiencing all those things. He's not only proclaiming something that is to come, You who are hungry will one day be fed. You who are grieving will one day be whole enough to laugh again. You who who all these things will be whole again. No. He's proclaiming that which is right now in this very moment. Right now, in your hunger, you are blessed. Wait a minute. Right now, in your grief, you are blessed. Right now, in your poverty, you are blessed. Because right now, Jesus is among you. The promise of God is that the state of being will change. But at this very moment where you are right now, that is where God is. That it is here in this moment of frailty that God is. It's here in your deepest vulnerability. It is here when you have nowhere else to turn, when you are at your weakest, when you are at your most vulnerable, when you have no other option in your life except to abandon yourself to the arms of Christ. That is where faith takes root. 
That is where we find that the power of God, the strength of Christ, is at its strongest. It is here that faith clings to you and carries you through. It's here that the promise of God screams across the walls of your house, reverberates across the rooms of your bedroom. It it screams into your pillow as you cry at night. That's where faith clings to you, and that's where God shows up. It's here in your hunger and in your grief and in your pain that God says, here you are blessed. God is here. And this, by the way, the promise of God says, is not the end. And my dear friends, when God makes a promise to you, God keeps it. It's the nature of God. And so today in this church and on this All Saints Sunday... We not only remember the saints in our lives who have passed before us, we don't only honor our memory, their memory, we don't only give thanks to God for the lives that they gave us and the, the joy and, and, and partnership that they gave us. We don't only do those things, but we remember the promise that God gave us in them. A salvation promise, a new life promise, a new day will come promise, a prophet of Daniel promise, if you read that first reading today again, before you go home, chapter 7, verse 18, where Daniel says that eventually the holy people of God will be given the kingdom of God and have it forever. Yes, the prophet says, forever and ever. And so today I invite you to rise, because we have to remember these people and all that they've given us. And together we have the great privilege of remembering Matthew Lee Allen, John and Augusta Anderson, Richard and Claire Anderson, Tony and Teresa Annunziata. Mark Avery, Alama Brown, Jean Cacaval, and Jack Casella. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're ever near Centerbrook, Connecticut on Sunday mornings, there is nothing like worshiping with a faith community. And we'd love for you to worship with us Sunday mornings, 8 and 10 a.m. And if you'd like to learn more about Trinity Lutheran Church, you can visit our website, tlccenterbrook.org, or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Brett Hertz on Budkowski. And if you've got prayer requests or you've got scripture you'd love to hear preached on, send me an email, brett at tlccenterbrook.org. And as always... And most importantly, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. God bless you.